the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for pushing that little button over there, D, that takes the echo out of my ears. Thank you, my good friend. I appreciate that. Or I will appreciate that when you do it. Uh, we'll get it uh, We'll get it done, hopefully sooner rather than later. Okay. Uh, eight minutes. There it is. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. All right. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get started on this free-for-all Friday, the 17th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. I don't want to sit here and take credit for anything. But I guess I'm just going to start off by sitting here and taking credit for it. Uh, one conversation on the Bob France Authority and Governor Mike DeWine yesterday changed his course completely and says, okay, we're going to open up on May 1st. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I convinced him to do All right, that. Literally, I'm totally being tongue-in-cheek here. Uh, I did it on Facebook yesterday, <laughs> on Twitter, and I just tweeted, you're welcome, Ohio, after we got the announcement from the uh, governor yesterday that Ohio is not going to extend past April 30th, which is the um, uh, the uh, predetermined end, you know, they, they had set the new rules on lockdowns in place, et cetera, to expire on April 30th, but they had also had an arbitrary deadline prior to that that they blew out of the water and said, yeah, we're still going to April 30th, uh, and the expectation among many was that it would be continued into May. And yesterday, a lot of people taken aback and shocked by the turn of events as Governor Mike DeWine, uh, and whether this was because of President Trump's later in the day announcement um, of the nationwide guidelines, these are guidelines, not orders, guidelines issued by the President and the Coronavirus Response Task Force, whether this was done because the president was going to make that announcement later and that all governors are going to have to make some decisions about how and when they roll open or not, we don't know. Maybe he knew what the president was going to say, took that advisory, and said at 2 o'clock what the president announced after you know at around 5 o'clock. And that is we're going to start opening again. Or maybe Governor DeWine did it independently all on his own. 
I don't know. But it was just funny that we had a conversation with him on Wednesday. I think we made some really, really good points to the governor. I think he heard them. Uh, uh, and so we just had a little fun yesterday, I did, on social media saying, you're welcome, Ohio. I changed Mike DeWine's mind. Clearly, that is not the case, or at least not entirely the case. If he is listening to people, and as a seasoned, experienced career politician, He does. He knows how to listen to people. If he is listening to people, he's listening to a multitude of them. Experts in the health field, yes, even though we don't see them at the dais, uh, you know, or at the uh, podium uh, each day during the briefings at 2 o'clock, but yes, listening to economists and listening to, you know, Ohioans, whether it's listening to people in the media like me. All of these things perhaps combine together to help the the uh, governor form a plan. And yesterday, the governor did announce a plan. Uh, again, whether it was all his or whether he was kind of coordinating with the White House, I don't know. But what I do know is that this gives me hope. Does it make everything better tomorrow? No. Do we still have a lot of challenges ahead in getting things open? Yes. But I was looking for some hope. I was looking for some aspiration. I was looking for some optimism rather than the constant doom and gloom that we have been bombarded with. And we just don't know when this is going to end. We can't do this, that, or the other thing. I was looking for some hope, and now we have some hope. We have some aspiration that we can, or actually we just have some goals that we can aspire to is a better way to say that, I suppose. But Governor Mike DeWine yesterday, as part of his press conference, didn't say, come May 1st, we're starting the process. And while that's not better than starting today, it's better than saying we're going to give it another 30 and we'll look at things on June 1st. It's much better than that, is it not? This is the governor yesterday in Columbus. We must get Ohio's economy moving again. We must get people back to work. I fully understand what people, because I'm getting calls and texts and I get it. And radio and I'm interviews. Seeing it. I'm seeing the news media, what people are, are dealing with. And I know that people who are unemployed want to work and they want to get back. And they want to move us forward. And small businessmen and women want to do the same thing. For all the reasons that we know, Ohioans are chomping at the bit, ready to go, ready to get back to work. But I want to mention something else of why it's important for us to start back. We know that when the economy goes down and we have this significant drop, we know that there are bad consequences. People lose their jobs. And we also know that there are medical consequences as well, that certain things happen. Overdoses for those who have an addiction problem go up. People relapse in regard to people who are an alcoholic or people who are drug addict. We see the relapses go up. We see people have more anxiety. We see people have more depression. We see more homelessness. And I could go on and on. But these are all things that that are very, very important and that matter a lot. I'm going to pause the governor there. Again, just to kind of point out, what he is saying, I am certain he already knew before we spoke. 
Of course. He's the governor. He has a lot of brilliant people around him. But we haven't heard him talk about those things until yesterday. I know he knows them, but he hasn't talked about the suicides, the depression, the drug use, the domestic violence, the alcohol deaths, all of those things that happen when people are stricken, particularly unexpectedly, with poverty. He, he has not talked about that at all. And I take a, a small amount of pride in saying that he talked about it yesterday for the first time, one day after we talked about it on this program. And I read that litany of things that he just gave to you off to him. I ticked them off one by one by one. All of these things, saying you're worried about COVID deaths, and I get it. But you better worry about the deaths from all of these other causes that are going to happen in our state if we extend this lockdown, this shutdown. And the next day, yesterday, uh, Governor DeWine started talking about them for the first time. Again, I know he knew them. I didn't break new ground with him. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who told him you got to talk about these things. But he talked about them yesterday, and it was all a part of reopening on May 1st, at least beginning the process of reopening. It will not be quick. It will not be light switch on. Okay, now we're back to business. It'll be a slow phase in. Think dimmer switch rather than just regular light switch, right? dark and then suddenly getting a little bit lighter a little bit lighter you just move that thing really slowly think about it that way it is essential though that as we start back we do this the right way we must get this right because the stakes are very high if we don't do it right the consequences are horrendous What we do not want to do is to start back, start getting back, getting businesses up, getting small businesses up, and then have a disaster, a huge spike in the number of people um, who test positive and who are in the hospital. That would be disastrous. I would pause here to argue with the governor if he were talking to me directly and say disastrous is a relative term. If we get back to work and then there is a spike or an increase again and you return us to lockdown mode, you will destroy this state, perhaps irreparably. That is unable to be repaired at all, ever. Once we get back open and running, we stay open and running. We mitigate and take what what um, steps we have to to keep businesses safe while they're open, but you absolutely, you want to talk about horrendous. Horrendous would be opening it up and locking it down again. Absolutely irreparable harm would be done. We have an obligation as we start back, and it's so very, very important for our state to keep our employees safe and for businesses to keep their customers safe. We are fighting, really, in a sense, a two-front war. Uh, One has to do with keeping us safe, medical point of view. One has to do with a medical crisis, but the other has to do with an economic crisis, a crisis about jobs and the economy. A while ago, uh, we created the Governor's Board of Economic Advisors. just as I looked to the medical community to give us help, give us advice, uh, and we still do that. We put a 
group together of doctors and other... Yeah, I'm going to pause it here because it gets a little drawn out, but obviously he's saying we put this board together and we decided May 1st is the time to go. Again, whether or not that was in coordination, collaboration, or anything else with uh, President Trump and his announcement yesterday is unknown at this time, and quite frankly, it's a little bit irrelevant. The fact of the matter is the governor is making the move, and is it a perfect move? Absolutely not. But is it a start? Is it, again, a reason for optimism? Yes. If he would have announced yesterday that, hey, everybody, we're looking forward, we're prog- pro- you know, we're um, projecting where things are going to be at the end of this current lockdown period of April 20th, and we are going to have to expand. The- Andrew Cuomo yesterday, the governor of New York. Now, New York is in a very, very different situation than the state of Ohio is, right? Recognizing that Andrew Cuomo said, we're extending another 30 days. Absolutely. And okay, maybe I can see that to the extent that for New York it's necessary. But for the state of Ohio, it is absolutely not. The numbers absolutely do not indicate any need whatsoever for extension. And if he would have extended this past April 30th, I am convinced that all of those worst-case scenarios that we talked about and that he referenced in those comments about other deaths and, and things caused by, you know, poverty, uh, homelessness, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all of those things would have started to come into play. I have absolutely no doubt about it. So the governor did it right insofar as giving us hope and optimism and aspiration of getting things somewhat back to normal. It'll be a testing period for the first two weeks of May. As they phase things back in, there's a three-phase plan uh, that the president announced that the governors are free to kind of use as it see as they see fit for their own circumstances in their own state. So it'll be kind of a testing period for the first two weeks of May, and maybe for all of May, before phase two and phase three kick in throughout the summer. And again, does that alleviate all of our problems now? No, it does not. It certainly does not alleviate all of our problems now. But does it give us something to look forward to? You better believe it does. This is a very important moment, and I want to talk about it with you. We're going to talk about it with a guy, by the way, coming up at uh, la, 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 9.35. Coming up at 9.35, we're going to talk to a business owner. His name is Bill Bader. He owns the Norwalk uh, Summit uh, 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 Summit Sports Park Raceway, and I, I'm probably butchering that, and I apologize. Summit Motorsports Park is what it's called. Summit Motorsports Park out in Norwalk. I used to live in Norwalk. Love that place. Anyway, Bill Bader's the owner there. He made an announcement on Facebook Wednesday in a 30-minute Facebook Live video saying, regardless of what the governor says, I don't care. We are opening for business at the racetrack. And he gave a really impassioned reason as to why. Now this might be a little bit easier for him, not that the governor is easing the restrictions, but Bill Bader is coming on at 935 to explain what he and other business owners are going through and why he made the decision to go public with the announcement. Do what you want, but we are opening our gates. And we'll talk about that with him. I want to talk to you. 216-901-0945, 888 the Bob France Authority. Howdy. The answer. I love that phone call, by the way. I absolutely love that phone call. That's that's a complete unexpected call from a customer. <laughs> uh, it was about a week, week and a half ago, whatever it was, and he said, "Hey, I want to uh, tell you something about this uh, dealership that you always advertise for." That's just very cool. Thank you, George, in Bay Village. I hope you and your wife are very healthy. Uh, okay, um, so Governor Dewine 
makes the call essentially uh, at the same time or about the same time President Trump later in the day made the call to essentially outline how we're going to reopen the country and get the the uh, government's uh, or the economy rather kickstarted again and of course this was extraordinarily necessary since yesterday we got the new number 5.25 million more unemployment uh, um, uh, claims were filed and so that brings the total to just over 22 or just under 23, depending on how you want to look at it. million Americans in the last month who have lost their jobs because of ordered closures by governors and by the country, quite frankly, uh, all over this country. And so yesterday the president uh, said, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we are going to do it. And in the process of doing it, of course, he is accused of just doing this for his campaign He's got to do this because he wants to be reelected. He's got to get the economy jump started. The president answered that uh, that question and that criticism. Uh, this is this is not campaigning. I want to make the country better. I don't care about campaigning. This is uh, this is about making our country better. It is about making our country greater. It is about making our country better. And it's not about campaigning. However, I will do the campaigning for him. I will do the campaigning. I saw a tweet yesterday from Joe Biden the presumptive Democrat nominee, and I'm going to continue to say presumptive because like a lot of other people, the more we listen to Joe Biden speak in these little uh, canned uh, sessions from his basement um, uh, while he stays on quarantine or lockdown or whatever, the more we see and hear from him, the more a lot of people are suggesting he is absolutely not going to make it to November. I mean, the left has to hear him. The Democrat Party, DNC, has to hear him uh, ramble and fumble and stumble into incoherence again and again and again and realize that he can't do this. He's not going to be able to engage in a debate. He's not going to be able to win this election. So he may not make it. That's what some say. So I'm going to continue to call him the presumptive nominee until he's the actual nominee. But Joe Biden... Uh, had a, a, a nice little Twitter run yesterday. He tweeted, uh, uh, together we will defeat Donald Trump. It's hard to mess that one up. And, of course, he's probably not tweeting for himself the way Donald Trump does. He's got somebody doing it for him. Uh, that was number one. Another one was, we had a great, hold on, where to go? Uh, it's been a big week, he said. President Obama, Senator Sanders, and Senator Warren all endorsed our campaign. <laughs> to which I replied, um, Three Democrats endorsed the Democrat presumptive nominee? No way. Wow, what a great get. That's a great job, Joe. You are really winning the people over. You got three Democrats to endorse you, a Democrat. Super. But this was my be- this was my favorite one rather. Joe Biden tweeted yesterday. When we emerge from this crisis, we can't just go back to the way things were. We need to build a better future for all. And that's when I just had to jump on Twitter and respond to creepy, sleepy, sleazy, quid pro Joe. I had to. And and what I said is what I'll say now. The way things were, we can't go back to the way things were. The way things were included the best economy this country has seen in modern American history. The lowest unemployment rate in nearly 60 years. The lowest unemployed ever employment rate ever for minorities. That means black, Latino, women, uh, 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 differently abled or whatever the PC term is for disabled. Imp- unemployment is was at low uh, all time lows for all of those various demographics. Higher wages, 
lower taxes, business expansion, better trade deals with China and other nations around the world, and a rebuilt military that was decimated by Barack Obama. So Joe Biden, when you say, when we emerge from this crisis, we can't go back to the way things were, why the hell would, excuse me, why in the world would we not want to go back to the way things were? The way things were, were fantastic. So if I agree with you on your last line, Joe. We need to build a better future for all. And do you know how we do that? We stop you from going to the Oval Office and blanking everything up that Donald Trump has built. That's how we ensure a better future for all. We go back to the way things were because the way things were before the coronavirus were spectacular. So President Trump, don't worry about campaigning. You don't have to worry about campaigning. You don't have to campaign on the briefing stage either. We'll do all the campaigning for you. We know what this country was like before China screwed it up for everybody. You heard me. China screwed it up for everybody. There is no country called covid This is the Chinese virus. This is the Wuhan virus. And that has nothing to do with the Chinese people. It has nothing to do with Chinese Americans. It has everything to do with the Chinese government. We'll point that out, Mr. President. Don't you worry. 930 News Time, AM 1420, The Answer. 936, we continue on this free-for-all Friday edition, AM 1420, The Answer. The theoretical is great, but the reality is quite a, quite a different animal. Um, and so we, are, we find ourselves in a position that is an uncomfortable one. Um, and I must get open. And so I guess the message that I wanted to share tonight um, is that we are opening. Summit Motorsports Park... Um, is not going to wait for permission. Summit Motorsports Park is is not going to wait um, for uh, Dr. Fauci and and wait for Amy Acton and wait for Mike DeWine um, because none of them even know I exist and none of them really care. Those words are from a Facebook Live uh, event hosted by Bill Bader, who is the owner of... Uh, the aforementioned business, Summit Motorsports Park. Bill Bader in Norwalk says we are opening. And, of course, when he made that uh, video and uh, did that video live segment on Wednesday, it carried a lot more weight than it does now. Now that the governor has announced we are going to have limited uh, return to businesses uh, as of May 1st. But Bill Bader joins us now to talk about what this has done to his business and what the threat would be if we did not reopen uh, would be for his and others like his. Bill, thanks for coming on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you this morning? I'm doing okay. How are you this morning? I'm good. Uh, I, I I enjoyed your Facebook Live um, uh, video. It was uh, it was really and thanks to my friend Mike Perry, who I guess you're an acquaintance of as well, who told me about it. Sure. And and uh, and I got to tell you, that's gutsy. You know, this is again, and I know uh, they're going to start their phase in on May first, uh, but that's not exactly the same thing as what you were talking about. Anyway, it's pretty gutsy to say I don't care what the governor says, I don't care what the health director says, or anybody on the White House team says. We've got to open our gates and we're going to open our gates can you tell me what led to the uh, the announcement well i think you know first of all on wednesday night at six o'clock i was speaking to um, a group of racers who have uh this business has been here since 1963 i started working uh in this family business in 1977 
Um, I'm 52 years old. I'll be 53 in August, so this is my 42nd race season. And those that community that I was speaking to knows me. They know what I stand for. They know uh, my attention to detail and my desire to keep the racing community safe. So there were some things that were assumptions that, that I made, and then next thing I know, this thing goes crazy, and, and, and here we are. So, um, you know, I, I'm in a situation where, you know, we've spent a lot of money here the last three years, uh, $3.5 million. I didn't build uh, a war chest for this, and I'm in, a, in dire straits. And I, I think, you know, part of that message, too, talked about doing things responsibly and, and, and approaching things safely. And um, we had, you know, we're going to prune down from a 100-event schedule to about 20 events, and they're going to be events that are manageable, events where we can social distance, events where we can, you know, demonstrate best practices. We're a four, a nearly a 400-acre facility, so we've got the space. We've got 30,000 seats. Um, so we can be responsible and, and do the right thing. And, and you know, I, it, it was not my intention to open May 1st. It was not my intention to open yet in April. Um, I, we have a number of events. We have a number of very large events. We have facility lease events. We, we have events that are our own. So when, when you unwind a schedule that you spent the better part of a year assembling, which is what we do every year, you can't you can't put it back together quickly. So there were lots of um, details, lots of phone calls, lots. Of, I mean, everybody in entertainment, every everybody in motorsports is scrambling. So we've got to put it together the right way. We've got to do it responsibly. But the reality is that my goal, <laughs> my goal this year, is simply to be able to weather this, to survive this, to get to April of 2021. Um, let me jump in for a second here and get into okay. a little bit more depth on what you're doing and what you're talking about. So you said you're going to cut from 100 events planned to around 20. So already you're going to lose one-fifth of your revenue. You're just trying to not lose 100% of it. So I personally completely respect that. Um, and you said you're going to release, if I heard it right, um, an actual date uh, or, or a series of dates for those events coming up next week. Do you have a, a, a ballpark date of the first event you're looking at in mind right now? Um, I do. I, I, I'm waiting on a promoter to who's a facility lease partner to confirm that with me. But I can tell you it's not going to be in May, and it's okay. not likely going to be in the, in the uh, first half of June. It, it's it's going to be later than that. It. it Listen, we've got to be responsible. We don't want to be reckless. I don't want to. I don't want to be the cause of a loss of human life. But by the same token, if I don't get open, I mean, I have 430 event staff. I have 26 full-time staff. They're all laid off. And the most difficult day in my life was a few weeks ago when I had to look all these men and women in the eye and say, "I'm sorry, I can't continue to pay you." And, oh, by the way, we provide 100% of people's health care. We pay 100% of their health care premium. I can't do that anymore. Um, You want to talk about a devastating moment. Um, That's a devastating moment. And unless you've been in that chair, and unless you've had to look at all of those friends and family um, and, and pull the rug out from underneath them, you have no idea what that's like. And so... 
Um, I simply am trying to. I, I, I've got a number that I need to meet. The, I, I need to hold on to get to 2021. If I don't get open this year, I'm done. I am out of business. And you know, a business that my family's owned since 1974, and as a second generation owner, as a guy, as a son who's sitting at the desk at the helm of his father's business. Um, there's a little bit of pressure associated with that as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? Everything you just said about yourself and your family, but moreover, your employees. Um, and and I, you're right. None of us, if we're not business owners who have been forced to look people in the eye and tell them that, can quite understand uh, what that feels like and how hard that is. Um, and as you say, you don't want to be responsible for the loss of life, but you also don't want to be responsible for the loss of livelihoods, which can lead to the loss of life, and that's where we're going. So if I understand it, you're saying you're probably not going to, or you're almost certainly not going to open in May. And as I look uh, at the I, president's I, guidelines, man. well, hold on one second. Uh, as I look okay. at the president's guidelines, um, phase one and phase two, I'm I'm just very simplify oversimplifying this. That phase one would be in May, for example, especially here in Ohio with Governor DeWine announcing we're going to start on a limited basis on May first. But it looks like that that phase one would take the month of May, and phase two would be in June. And phase two on the president's plan says, and I quote, um, restaurants, movie theaters, churches, and sports venues can operate with moderate physical distancing. So if it seems like this is all going to time up just the way you're talking about it right now, right? If you open in June, it would be at about phase two time for opening up America and opening up Ohio, and that means sports venues, you won't be... You won't be violating anything that the uh, government government might have said. Well, I guess I should have kept my mouth shut for a few days, and <laughs> I would have saved myself. But but here's the reality: my I, one of my two largest events of the year take place in June. So um, the question, and again, I, I have I'm concerned about that event in June because I don't believe I can meet social distancing parameters. Truthful. I can't put 20,000 people in here each day and social distance. So in my mind, that event's not going to happen. I have an event in July, a 20,000-person, 72-and-older street ride show called the Blue Suede Cruise. I've already can't. I, I, I mean, I, I need to be I, – I am not about putting people in harm's way. I am not about um, uh, trying to turn a profit this year. I'm trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And and I meant what I said. The long and the short of it is, there are no programs available to me. Um, you know, the the uh, I, there's nothing available to me. So I have to rely on my resiliency and my determination. And um, you're right. If things line up that way, but truthfully, I have an event in June that I will host tens of thousands of people for the weekend, and I don't think that event will meet. Um, President Trump's criteria, and I'm not about to try to. <laughs> I, 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 well, I what do you mean by that, Bill? It. If I may, what do you what do you mean uh, you will not meet that criteria? Well, well no. What I mean is it, 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 the, what you just read said mm-hmm. that sporting events in June that meet social distancing criteria. Correct. Or did yeah, I? Yeah. The, the way. No. 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 Let, let Let me look at it again. The way it's worded was. Uh, this is phase two. It says restaurants, movie theaters, at churches, and sports venues can operate with moderate uh, with moderate physical distancing. 
there's no definition as to what moderate physical distancing means right now. Well, I think it means six feet. I think it means some... Di- I, I, I'll tell you what, it doesn't mean setting people 18 inches apart in a grandstand. I was just going to say, so in a regular event, when you put 20,000 in your in your venue, uh, that, that's shoulder to shoulder, basically. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we seat 30,000 people. My biggest event of the year has 40,000 people for one night. And, wow. I, and, I'm, and I'm certain, I am certain that they don't mean elbow to elbow... Um, and I don't know that they mean elbow to elbow any time this year. And I'm okay with that. Uh, my goal is to get to 2021. And if I sit here and do nothing, I'm I'm out of business. You're I'm done. No, I, I get it. Bill I, Bill Bader is, uh, is our yeah. guest. He is the owner and the operator of the uh, Summit, Summit. And I keep wanting to say Speedway. Summit Sports Motor Park, right? Summit, Summit Motorsports Park. Park. It's Motors, okay. Mo- Thank you. Sorry about that. Motorsports Park. Okay. It's okay. Um, so, Bill, I get it. So when you say that you're going to try to hold 20 events, or uh, I'm sorry, how many events do you normally hold? In uh, approximately 20 events this year. Okay, and you normally hold how many? Uh, about 100. Okay, so you're talking about one-fifth of your of your business. So uh, in those 20, am I to assume that these are 20 of your smaller events where you don't expect twenty to 30,000 people so they can sit, you know, maybe every other seat or every third seat or something of that nature in the grandstand? I'm I'm planning on people sitting six feet apart in the grandstands. I mean that's what I understand, and and if my math is correct, I can put about six thousand people in my grandstand spread out over thirty thousand seats, and um, while while maintaining social distancing guidelines. So the answer to your question is yes. I will do smaller events that are going to be more what we call in our business backgate. They're more participant driven. I, I keep in mind I have a uh, an event that has you know uh, twelve hundred race teams, um, so we are not a a business that I mean we have backgate revenue, we have frontgate revenue, and I'm basically going to forego all of our frontgate revenue this year mm-hmm. that will pack the place theoretically. And and in order to maintain uh, guidelines, if that makes sense, does that make it, sense? It does. It does, Bill. And um, and and I respect and appreciate what you're doing here. Like you said, you're essentially not even trying to turn a profit; just trying to not go under. And uh, that's that's a very difficult thing to try to to do. But you're willing to do that just to get to 2021. Let me ask you this in closing: What message do you have, or maybe a question? Would you rather have for Governor DeWine right now? Well, I think the question that most Americans want to ask but are afraid to ask it is what's really going on? You know, the media scared the hell out of us. Um, they, they basically put a lockdown and we were expecting Armageddon and these incredible projections, these just incredible numbers of, of um, fatalities and um, and, and I mean, you, you look at the numbers. Um, a lot of people are looking at the numbers and saying, wait a minute, we didn't come close to that. Now, was that by the grace of God, which no one will ever say, was that due to all the great work by all the men and women who responded quickly? Um, but So why did we not achieve the numbers? Were the numbers unrealistic to begin with? Was this uh, part of a grander... 
what's really going on? I guess that's yeah, what the, I would the, like to know. Yeah, it's a great question, and you know, I, I asked him kind of a variation of that two days ago when I had him on the air. I wish I had actually I had him on before your video, or else I would have passed on a little bit about what you're dealing with because you're you know you're in a unique business. Obviously, there aren't very many motorsports parks, and there aren't many speedways. Um, you're in a unique business, but you're in business, and there are you know thousands and thousands and thousands of Ohio businesses in jeopardy of going under permanently. Maybe not with the history of yours going all the way back in your family to 1972 or three or whatever you said. Um, but but businesses like yours, we need to personalize this rather than say we have to restart the economy. The economy is a generic, faceless term. Bill Bader's Summit Motorsports Park is a specific place. It's got names and faces to it, and that's why I want to really, you know, kind of uh, shine a spotlight on. And uh, and I'm glad you were able to do that with Thank Facebook you. Live, and I'm glad you were able to come on here. Um, do me a favor, Bill. Keep us posted as this summer goes on, and uh, and let us know how you're doing because uh, we want to we want to get the message out there as best we can. And if there are race fans who can fit into your place safely, we want to send them out there. Well, thank you very much. God bless. Thank you very much, Bill Bader. Bill Bader, uh, owner and operator, Summit Motorsports Park in Norwalk, my old stomping grounds. My family used to live there. Um, yeah, it's a really difficult thing, and I really appreciate everything he's trying to do. He was ready and willing to defy, by the way, the governor, the state health director, the president, anybody else, Dr. Fauci or anybody else, to open his park just to get to 2021 so that they survive. And uh, that's what he said on his message, and uh, and I salute it. I really do. I'm not an anarchist. I believe in following governmental rules, but I am also not a... Uh, I do not believe we should all be uh, victimized in such a way. Okay, 9.52, quick timeout. Back after this. All right, 9.56, we continue, AM 1420, The Answer. Yesterday, President Trump made the case for reopening the country in a phased, rolling approach. Not like turning on a light switch. I've kind of said it's more like a dimmer switch. You're just going to start uh, by getting us out of the darkness. Start to make it a little bit so we can see ahead a little bit. Then a little brighter, a little brighter, a little brighter, uh, and, and grow this, uh, start growing this economy again. But the time is right. Governor DeWine agreed yesterday, said May 1st, we're going to start unlocking businesses. That's a good start. Greg Gutfeld said this about reopening. I, I, I go back to what I said before. I think we are willing at this point to, to take that risk. Because we kind of, we were all kind of like getting that feeling that like, you know what, we're doing the best we can, but right now, maybe it's time we start, you know, as Dana would say, lifting our gaze. I've never heard that before. It's very nice. Uh, but we got to leave the vulnerable at home. If the vulnerable, the, the older people with underlying conditions, if they're at home, the younger, the healthier people, the people that don't have underlying can go back to work. I do love how all of this is now governor-led. And it makes me think that Trump just pulled like a Tom Sawyer painting the fence stunt. It's like when he said, I'm in control. And then they said, no, 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 you don't. He said, okay, you guys call the shots. And the governors are indeed calling the shots. And again, I don't know if that's why Governor DeWine decided yesterday to make his announcement on May 1st, but I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. I prefer to think that the reason he decided to make that announcement yesterday is because he talked to me the day before. And we had a really good eye-opening conversation. Uh, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to actually believe that. Uh, Navy man Norm is calling us from Strongsville on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Norm. How are you? I was fine until I saw a video of Nancy Antoinette Pelosi last night. I don't know if you've seen it or if you've heard about this, but Monday night on CBS, 
she went on the late show and she showed everybody her $24,000 commercial freezer that can hold at least 100 pints of Jenny's $14 pound ice cream. And this is what she's doing to keep saying during the uh, corona price, the coronavirus crisis. She's eating $14 pint gourmet ice cream while millions of Americans have to go to a food bank to get food. This arrogant, senile, flatulent, 80-year-old skank has to go in plain English. I don't She's care. She's not going anywhere, my to- friend. She's not going anywhere. First of all, you're right about about everything you just described her as. She is so out of touch with common America or Main Street America norm. Of course, you're right. But I had a friend say to me today, how Nancy Pelosi or Adam Schiff or Chuck Schumer can possibly be elected is beyond me. A a friend texted me that about an hour ago, and I said to him, what do you mean? What's What's confusing? They are representatives of New York and California. Schiff and, and Pelosi in California, of course, and Schumer in New York. And you know they are the bluest of, of the blue, and they're never going to go anywhere. The only way we get rid of her in terms of her power, Norm, as you know, is to win back the House, remove the gavel from her wretched hand, and then we can perhaps get something done. Her national fake news media, you didn't see this broadcast 24. Can you imagine if Don Jr. or Ivanka, had, Trump had done that on TV? <laughs> just just think about it bob if they had done that unbelievable yeah. i mean well you know if they had done that instead of you know navy man norman strongsville getting on some airwaves to to complain it would be don lemon going ballistic on cnn screaming about how out of touch the rich elitist trumps are so no you're right thank you my friend i appreciate the phone call we're coming up in the uh, 10 o'clock news but a reminder you know i just told you about uh, enjoy again uh and getting your home videos put on digital format so that you can watch them if you're not watching your home videos then what you ought to watch is no safe spaces i had Adam Carolla on the air yesterday. He's the co-producer and creator with Dennis Prager of No Safe Spaces. You can watch this movie now at nosafespaces.com, and you can save 25% off the price. You're essentially buying it uh, because you can watch it an unlimited number of times, and it's 25% off if you use the promo code SAVE25. Watch No Safe Spaces with Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, the number one political documentary of 2019, really underscoring how dangerous it is to try to actually enact your free speech rights in this country. Because if the left doesn't like what they hear you say, no matter where you say it, online, at work, at school, your place of worship, they are coming after you. It is a tremendous look, and it's entertaining as well. NoSafeSpaces.com. Save 25% with Save25 online right now. All right, uh, news time now. Uh, We are open in the second hour of the program, as uh, we do indeed call it Free for All Friday. So whatever you want to talk about, get in line now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.